Well, in that spirit, as we think about the powerful and glorious and great name of Jesus, we're finishing our Limitless series today, and that is looking at the aspects of our Christian life and our understanding of God that are limitless. That is, there's always a next step. They, they, we never come to a conclusion. We never finish whatever that is. And, and one of the most obvious ones that we talked about way back at the beginning of the year was limitless love. But there are always more people to love. There's always one more that needs our love. Jesus said if we connect to him as a branch is connected to a vine and we draw our power from him, that essentially we continue to bear fruit. We can always bear more fruit. And the primary fruit of the Christian life is love. So in your life, uh, you, you might say in one sense, like, I love everyone or we ought to love everyone. But what we learned was that loving everyone always begins with loving someone. So the question is, who is, the one more, who is your one more person that you could love? The challenge being simply, love one more. And so, Lord, if you give us the direction, if you put the person in front of us, we'll love that person in your name. Okay? So that, that calling is limitless. Last week, we talked about limitless growth. That is that in our lives, there's never a moment when we would say, I've reached the pinnacle, I'm officially as much like Jesus as I'm supposed to be. Uh, we also wouldn't look at our church or the kingdom of God or the mission that we're a part of and go, you know what, we're done, we've accomplished it, and now let's just freeze frame right where we are and hold it. Uh, no, there's always another step, there's always another open seat, there's always another opportunity to grow in our faith and our knowledge of Jesus, and then to apply that and serve people through it. Okay, we learned last week that growth is a choice. Uh, it always is. Growth happens. There's a miraculous dynamic to it, but it doesn't happen if we don't choose to grow. Okay, and we looked in the Bible about how there's three types of growth that happen, and I'm giving you this quick review because what we'll set the table for today, kind of important to have all this in the background, all right? We talked about kingdom growth, and that is we're all a part of this global family of God. There are amazing things happening all over the world. You get to be a part of those because you're a Christian. So there's no limit to that, right? But then you zoom in and you say, well, what about our church? Well, there's no limit to church growth. Churches would always be saying, how do we reach another person? How do we extend God's love in a new way? How do we make room for one more? How do we multiply so there's room for many more? Uh, that narrative would always be living in our minds. We're always thinking about where God wants to take us next. Okay? And then challenged you last week to go home and think about personal growth. That no matter how old you get, there's never a day when you'd say, I'm done learning. I'm done growing. I'm just like Jesus now. Uh, no, if you get there, you must have missed a memo somewhere because that is a lifelong process and it goes on into eternity after you die. So there's always more. Right, so we celebrate that, we embrace that, and we say, you know, there are some things in life that we get to complete, and we get to do, and we check it off, and we never have to worry about it again. But love and growth are always in front of us. So there's one more aspect to this, and I'll confess uh, that for me, uh, even as generally a pretty optimistic person, usually trend toward the positive, um, this area challenges me because for whatever reason in our stream of Christianity, like, you know, different kinds of churches have different cultures. In the culture that I grew up in and the culture that our church is, I don't feel like we talk about this enough. You ready to see what it is? Limitless potential. When you trust in God, anything can happen. 
there is literally no limit to what God can do in your life, through your life, for His honor and to love and bring good to the world. Hey, there's no limit. Now, immediately we think about barriers and we think they're limits. So we'll think, but wait, I don't have very much time. Or wait, we're out of money. Or hold on, I'm out of energy already. And we see those as barriers and we tend to stop at the barrier and go, well, I guess this is as far as we'll go. What I want to challenge you with today is to let go of those barriers, to decide that you would agree with Jesus, and we'll look at when he says this, that literally anything is possible with God. And if you agree with that, to then start living on that basis, to not think about your life as we're going to do what everybody else does and then get to the end of it and kind of, you know, whatever, maybe have a few nice years of retirement and then it's over. No, Lord, there's always an upward trajectory. There's always somewhere to go for you. There's always a new frontier. There's always a horizon in front of us. So to get oriented for this kind of a discussion, we have to start with something beyond our own perspective. Because I don't know if your life is filled with challenges. Mine is. And I run into challenges every day. Challenges on my calendar, challenges in my budget, challenges in my heart, in my life, in my attitude, the people around me. There's challenges all over, right? So if I, if I think about what's possible, if I reference potential based on my circumstances, the truth is I'm probably going to be fairly limited in my thinking. So let's look up for a little bit. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to start by looking at a picture a lot bigger than ours and actually seeing the perspective of God on the things of this world. And once you can just see for a moment through His lens what this world looks like and what your problems look like, you'll realize that your problems aren't, I mean, they're a big deal to you and they matter to God, but compared to the power of God, they aren't actually that big. So let's read what Isaiah wrote, starting in verse 12 of Isaiah 40. Who else has, hold, has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who's able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? And who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? There's been a lot of times I've tried to give God advice, but I don't think he needed my advice, right? So who, who would say God needs advice? Well, none of us would. We recognize he has an order of wisdom far beyond our own. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice or did anyone ever teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? Verse 15, no. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood of Lebanon's forests and all of Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. Now, this was written in the ancient Near East, and I don't know about you, I don't really have a visual picture of what Lebanon's forests would have looked like in that time and how big of a deal that was. So maybe if we're writing it from our perspective, we would say, all of the forests of Yellowstone Park, like you put everything together, all the animals are it's not even beginning to be worthy of a praise to God. That's how big of a scale we're talking about. Verse 17, the nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In, the, in his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. 
To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if the people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began, are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. His people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain. He makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world. He brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root, when he blows on them and they wither and the wind carries them off like chaff. The great people of the world, anyone who headlines the news out there, you go, well, that person's important. That person's really rich. That person has power. All of those people, just nothing compared to the power of God. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Jacob was like a very personal name that God would call Israel, referencing how much he loves his people. He said, well, how can you say that I haven't seen what you're going through? Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In other words, when God is a part of your story, you never run out of capacity, you never run out of power because the power isn't coming from you. You mount up on wings like eagles, you soar with the eagles, not because you're great, but because God is great and He's working inside of you. So once you start to see your life from that perspective, you realize when you look in the mirror, you may see all sorts of flaws, all sorts of failure, all sorts of limitation. But when you look up at Jesus, you recognize if Jesus is the one who defines me going forward, there's no limit to the potential of what he can do even through a finite creature like me. I think that's really encouraging, don't you? Look at all the things you're struggling with, all the challenges that are in front of you. No, there is no limit to what God can do to help you meet those. So, a character in the Bible we might be familiar with is Abram. Abram, in the book of Genesis, was known as the father of faith. His story is interesting, though, because he didn't really get to exercise that faith until very late in life, his 80s and 90s. And Abram literally means the father of many. So if people knew what names meant, you know, it would be like you walk up, you're at a dinner party or something, and hey, how you do? I'm Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what's your name? I'm, I'm the father of many. Oh, really? Hey, introduce me to your kids. You know, I don't have any kids. It would be a little awkward, right? 
And, and you can imagine poor Abram uh, and his wife Sarah, at that time Sarai, feeling a little bit embarrassed about their name. Because everywhere they went, it was like their name was a reminder of what they didn't have. You know, in that time, that, that was like the, the amount of kids you had was sort of tied into your sense of value and wealth and prestige. And, and, and he's thinking, I, I don't have any. It wasn't just that he didn't have a few and oh, a father of many, there's two. No, he didn't have any at all. So poor Abram, it's, you could almost imagine he would be wishing for a new name. Like, I wish I could just introduce myself and not bring up that topic. So God helps. God steps in and says, guess what? I do want to change your name. From now on, you will be called Abraham. Abraham means father of multitudes. Say, thanks a lot, God. That's not what I was looking for. So now I'm even, you know, so you can imagine for Abraham, even to say his own name was almost an act of faith. Because you're looking at, as he's getting older and older and older, and his wife is getting older and older, it's, it's less and less possible in, from any like, human perspective, any medical perspective, for them to actually conceive and have a child. In fact, when God gave Abram this news, the Bible talks about how Sarah, his wife, laughed. As you can kind of imagine, like, this just isn't going to happen. This is way outside the realm of possibility. It's way too late to talk about some sort of multitudes that are going to spring forth from us. And yet God honored his promise Abraham had a son. He actually had multiple sons. And, and God had said to Abraham, look up, count the stars in the sky, see if you can see how many there are. That's how many descendants you'll have. You have to imagine just Abraham shaking his head, trying desperately to have faith. Like, okay, God, I do believe you. I trust you. But none of this makes any sense at all. So today, if you were to look at world population and say how many people spring forth from Abraham and Sarah... Well, it's the whole of the Jewish people, quite a few of the Arab peoples. There, there would be millions and millions of people who literally, Abraham is in their family tree. Abraham really became the father of multitudes. But boy, in his lifetime, that was a matter of faith, not of experience. Nothing is impossible with God. Faith is when we embrace that, when we trust God anyway, even when things don't make sense to us. Okay, so let's walk it through, and I'd like to make this as practical as possible, just so you can walk home and think about what God might want to do in your life and in our church going forward, okay? So first of all, God's promises are the basis for our potential. You won't find greatness within you. You'll find it when you have faith regarding what God can do within you as you obey His Word, as you get to know Him personally. That's where the power and potential come from. Okay, here's what the Scripture says. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So there it is. Limitless potential. Not because of you, but because of God who you serve. So what, what aspects of our life would be related to this? What would we look up and say, wow, this, this is bigger than I thought. This is more than I thought. Uh, I thought of three. I'm sure there are more, okay? But let's just start with three. First of all, our potential for heaven. So we know from John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. 
That is, when you become a Christian, when you know God in a personal way, your life is transformed and your life is changed to a different kind of life that never has to end. And so right off the bat here, your potential infinitely expands because now your life literally is going to last forever. Jesus was praying and he said, this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Okay, so there's no time limit to your potential. That's pretty important because most of the times when I feel like I hit some sort of limitation, it's because I run out of time. But now all of a sudden, we won't run out of time. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, we live in such a calendarized world, but you actually aren't going to run out of time if you follow Jesus. That's amazing. Here's another aspect of it. Our potential for holiness. Holiness is when you set something apart for purity. You set something apart for special use. So God takes you, he sets you apart, and he says, you matter to me, I have a plan for you, I want you to walk with me. And so you start walking with God in that holiness, that purity of heart. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Then there's our potential for harvest. It's for results in our lives, for things that can happen. Okay, when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, they were thinking about giving, and they were, they were thinking of giving kind of like planting seeds. You know, every time you give or you're generous, you help somebody, it's like you're planting a seed of good, and there's going to be a harvest someday. Well, where do those seeds come from? I'll re- read what Paul wrote. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So is there a day when you run out of seeds to plant? No, there would always be more because God is the one who is your source of seed. It's not you. And so there's, so there's endless potential for more seed planting and thus for more harvest. Well, that's pretty exciting to think about. There's no time limit. God has set you apart for something special. And there's literally no limit to the number of things that he might want to do through your life. All he asks you to do is have faith, is to trust him. Now, we do that based on who we are in Christ. We don't do that based on like kind of saying, well, let me figure my life out, turn over a new leaf, really try hard to do more. Uh, No, instead, we ask, "Who, who are we actually in Christ? Sometimes we look in the mirror and we see our failures, we see our faults, we see the things that are wrong, we see all the things we didn't get quite right in our lives. Question for you, will you embrace your full and true identity in Christ or will you settle for, belitter, for a belittling substitute identity that denies God's purpose and plan? See, God made you for a purpose. If you ignore that purpose, if you deny that purpose, you're, you're the one missing out, right? God's fine. He doesn't need counselors. He doesn't need any help. But, but he made you for something amazing. If you settle for something less, that's on you. Your true identity as a follower of Jesus is an amazing identity. A few of the things the Bible says about you as one who follows Christ are so encouraging. So when you look in the mirror, this is what you should see. And instead of looking at all your faults, you say, wow, you've been designed in God's image. You've been welcomed as God's child. You've been gifted the Holy Spirit. You've been redeemed, saved, cleansed, commissioned, set apart. 
Your whole life has been changed. Your whole identity has been rearranged. On that basis, if that's who you really are, then I would ask you, do you have limitless potential? Okay, well, what is that going to mean? How do we do it? The Bible gives us some pretty clear direction about how we think of this and what we're supposed to do with the potential that's loaded inside of us. Okay? By His divine power, God's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've all received this. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Because of His glory and excellence, He's given us these great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by human desires. So the way this is possible for you to lift out of the mire of just being, you know, the, the, the next human that says, oh man, nobody's perfect, here's who I am, I have all these weaknesses. The way that you transform out of that and into someone who really gets to live for Christ is by His power, it is by His promises. So here's what we do with the potential we're given. First of all, we can pray boldly in faith. There are multiple times when Jesus would tell his disciples about prayer that he would say something and it just doesn't seem like it's quite right. I mean, it's there and it's in red letters, so we all say, oh, oh, Jesus said it, it must be right, but I don't know how it's right. Jesus said, look, you can ask for anything in my name and my Father will give it to you. Don't you just stroke your chin a little bit and go, okay, there's no sports car in my driveway. Something doesn't seem right about that verse or somehow I'm missing something, right? Now, it sounds like you might be missing something if that's your conception of this. Uh, But here's the thing. As you think about what God could do in your life, you pray boldly forward into the future. You're not thinking about all the barriers in your way. You're saying, Lord, you could do anything you want. And so on that basis, I'll pray in faith. Hey, you also get to dream big about the mission that you have. When Paul was writing to the Roman church, one of his lifelong goals, he mentioned in a few different places throughout the Bible, he wanted to get to Rome to preach. It was a big deal for a preacher like to go to kind of the leading city and preach to all the influencers. And so for Paul, he wasn't dreaming small. He was like, man, I wasn't born there. I don't have a right to be there. No, he, that, he was going for the biggest opportunities possible. So that's where he wanted to go. So he trusts that to God. Okay, confidently use our gifts, so God has outfitted you to lead or serve or sing or help or all sorts of gifts that God gives to us. You get to use those with confidence. You don't have to be timid about that. You say, no, it's not because I deserve or I'm living some sort of perfect life and that's why I qualify. No, Lord, because of who you, what you've done in my life, in my heart, the new identity I've assumed in Jesus, now I get to go out and represent you. You look up, you look forward on the basis of all that God has done for you. So when it comes to our church, you know, we have this big meeting coming up a week from now, and uh, once a year we get together and we talk about our plans and where we're heading and what, what some of our aims will be. And in those meetings, you know, we have to exercise a measure of wisdom and a measure of faith, right? Wisdom to kind of say, well, what's reality? What are we dealing with? What are the barriers in our way? But faith would be where we say, but the barriers aren't limitations, so, Lord, where do you want to take us even if it's beyond what we expect? Okay, so I've been thinking about that a little bit this week. And uh, here are a couple, couple thoughts that I see in the Scripture about how we think, how we plan. 
Um, we'll talk more about this next week, but our church has the potential to assign Jesus' love and light to everyone around us. How we'll do that? I don't exactly know. Like, we'll lay out our plans. The planning itself is a, is a step of faith because you're planning something in the future that hasn't happened yet. You're seeing what could be and putting some confidence in that. But that's just from our human wisdom, right? We'll say, we'll do the best we can, but Lord, there might be more that we've not even thought of as far as how you want to shine from this place to make a difference in the world. Okay, our, our church has the potential to rapidly multiply disciples of Jesus in our region. You know, when we think as humans, when we think about, we tend to think about trend lines. So we'll think, you know, incremental growth. Just do a little bit more than happened last time. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that wasn't how things happened in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it was explosive multiplication of the kingdom. There were all sorts of things that were happening that nobody expected to have happen. And so we, we look up with faith and we say, Lord, we're not here just to keep the church running, and we're not here just to, you know, 1% a year, see if we can improve things. Oh, Lord, we want to see you, we want to see a breakthrough of your power in our area. And so, Lord, we want, we want to trust you for that. Okay, our, our church has the potential to grow past all of our systems and expectations. So a couple weeks ago, I introduced Dave Eichberg to you. He's sitting back there. He's, he's come on our staff team as ministry director to help us build systems so that we can grow which is really great. I mean, financial systems, volunteer systems, all those things could be upgraded. Wonderful. But here's the thing. Multiplication growth, even the systems we're about to build right now might be outdated in not that long of a time because we'd always be saying, Lord, what's next? There's never a moment when you kind of tighten it all up and go, oh, wow, we found the answer and now we're done growing. No, there's always a next step. So we say, Lord, we know it's possible to grow past what we expect. We're just We need your help. And then the last one. It's possible to impact anywhere on earth that we choose to focus attention on. This is an amazing thing to just consider for a moment. Uh, Obviously, we should bloom where we're planted, and we should start right where we are and say, Lord, with whatever I have in front of me, I want to be faithful. But do you realize that there's no limitation to what you can do or where you can do it? God might call some of you in this room to the other side of the world to do things you never dreamed you would do. Great. Limitless potential. God can do that through you. Anywhere you choose to set focus, anywhere our church chooses to set focus, we can make a difference. They say, Lord, where do you want us to set that in 2024? How do you want us to proceed um, to, to do what we can with what we have this year and then to trust you to do far more than we expect? So there really are no limits hope you're catching that drift. And I wanted to give you one final verse just to, just to check, because I know we all say we agree with Jesus, but this verse that I'm about to show you is one that if there was a verse to disagree with, maybe you say, like I, you know, maybe that's true like in some sort of theology textbook, but I don't know if it's true for me. I just want you to think about that. Jesus looked at his disciples He said, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So what is impossible? Nothing is impossible. 
Jesus himself offered us a life with no limits, a fresh identity that lifts us out of this world system and our own past and our own human frailties into something eternal and glorious, into something that will matter forever. He gives you all the power you need to jump in. And he asks you to have a little mustard seed of faith. So let's pray and ask him to help us with that. Lord Jesus, in our lives, we are often tempted to see all the things that stand in our way. The time we don't have, the money we don't have, the energy we don't have, the wisdom we don't have. But Lord, you have an infinite amount of all those things. And you're willing to share your life and power with us if only we would trust you. So I pray for each one of my friends, my brothers and sisters here in the room, Lord, that we would fully embrace our identity in Christ, that we would see who we really are and then discern what you want us to do. Lord, the sky isn't the limit. There are no limits. Nothing is impossible. We want to live in the light of that truth as a church together, but also as individuals. Lord, as we go out in the world this week, I pray that you would give all of us a sense of clear calling in our hearts of who you want us to become, where you want us to go, how we can share love and light with everyone we meet. We look forward to doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. See you next week.